Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast, not affiliated with any particular 12-step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Ben. I'm an alcoholic and addict. And welcome back to Sober Solutions Podcast. It is episode 15. And tonight we're going to be talking about emotions, a very interesting topic around recovery. And we have a guest with us tonight, Victor. And Chris, I know you know Victor pretty well, so why don't you introduce him? Yeah, Victor's uh, my sponsor. Uh, You know, I do the NA program. Um, He's big into the literature. Uh, He's very versed in that. He's an amateur comedian. He's opened up for Artie Lang. Uh, I found out today he did... Blues Brothers impersonations, I guess. (laughs) Uh, He's a teamster, you know, he's just a man of many talents. He's a very wise and funny guy, but he uh, keeps it real. So, Victor, you want to give us a little summary over how you got here and we'll uh, end it with talking about emotions? Okay, beautiful. Uh, Okay, everybody, my name is Victor Ponte, and uh, yeah, it's amazing how. you know, you do something for your, for your, for your, pretty much for almost your whole life. I mean, 20 years, I, uh, almost 20 years, I impersonated John Belushi and the Blues Brothers. And it's like, you get this little circle of like you, your partner and, 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 and your agent and everybody outside of that, your friends never come see you unless you're doing like a, you know, a fundraiser somewhere and they can just come and watch you at a street fair or something. Otherwise it's just like a business. And then like, when you're all done doing it, you think like everyone knew and really like nobody knew. So life is funny, but, um, I got here, listen, um, I got, I got clean when I was 50 years old. I could never put more than a year clean time together and stop using drugs. Um, started using when I was like 18. I remember smoking pot with, uh, two friends in their basement and, uh, you know, I didn't even get high, but I remember like what I was attracted to was like the sneaking around part. And I was always like this. I'm like, I'm like your number one people pleaser. You'll never meet a more people pleasing person than I am. But when you, when I got clean, uh, you know, this time, like I'm able to look back on my life and see that, uh, I had this thing inside of me, this, this, um, well, I see now that it's a disease, but I had this thing inside of me that just always felt different and always did different things. And I was very, very destructive as a kid. Like if, if we went on like 30 vacations, me and my family, I ruined like 28 of them, like with like broken bones or stitches or giving someone else a, uh, stitches or just, just destructive behavior. I remember we used to go to um, Seaside Heights to visit my grandparents every summer. And uh, I remember like the first time I went on a beach, um, well, I was like five years old the first time I went on the beach and, and my, my, my mother put me down on the blanket and I started eating the sand and she smacked my fingers out of my mouth and then I started biting my fingernails and ever since then I was like the worst fingernail biter you'll ever meet. But my fingernails are good now because I'm clean. But I always had this thing inside of me like, um, you know, I was always like pretty calm, but like I used to take like my emotions out like on my fingers and like you'd be able to judge like even like right now, like my fingernails are long and they're nice and I like paint and clear and stuff. But like there's a few of them that I've been like this, this forefinger right here. I chomped on today at work and it's always a gauge of my emotion. If you could look at what my, my daughter looks at my fingers and she's, she's like, she's like three for ten. You're doing good. Like both of my thumbs are bitten. 
and my four fingers bit, and the rest of them look good. So I'm like doing like I'm batting like 300 right now. I'm batting actually 700 right now. But um, I always used uh, used drugs, man. You know, I I started using drugs because it was fun, and then uh, you know, once I realized that it can take away some pain and uh, you know, replace some some emotions because I can look back and let me tell you, I I I mean, when my grandmother died. You know, I was like, I was like a full-fledged drug addict. And when my grandmother died, I was with this girl. We were like smoking crack at the time. And she was doing pills. And and uh, the emotions of my grandmother dying just led me to just led me to use it all night. Like I I went to the uh, to the wake in Cedar Grove, and uh, you know, I was like nodding out. My family kept telling me, "Go in the basement, go to sleep, go lay down, go go." You know, and I'm like, "No, no, I'm fine, I'm fine." Proceeded to go home, smoke crack all night till four or five in the morning, lay down. The next day they were burying her and they were going to eat afterwards. And I slept through the whole thing, all because of emotions. You know, I couldn't process my emotions and it just replaced, you know, I, it, it, the process of drug addiction. You know, it's, it's, it's a long journey because at some point you go from, you know, the people pleasing part where everything's OK and you're functioning, which is what I did. You know, I functioned for. I bought a house when I was 25. I had a really good job. I had a Corvette, a Cadillac. Like I was doing really, really good, but I always had that budget for drugs and I kept using until it became a problem. And then when I started doing heroin, there was just no turning back from that. You know, I started doing things for, for money, you know, to, you know, I started burglarizing the, you know, establishments and just, you know, I got a lot of stories of just, you know, breaking into places and stealing $20,000 and just, just having these like, you know, my, my, my counselor used to say to me, I want to get in touch with that guy who, who, who cut a hole in the roof of a strip mall and went down inside to get to a safe. I, I, want, I want to know who that guy was. And I'm like, wow, like when, you, when you're clean, you don't even think you're like doing these things. You just try to do like things like honestly. And when you look, man, I tell you, boy, it's, it's just a real, a real change in perspective. So what happened was, um, I was 50 years old and I, I was working a job where I was off in the winter and I started driving this heroin dealer around because I was off. It was the middle of the winter. I wasn't doing anything. I'm driving him around. He's dealing heroin. We got arrested. An informant uh, inf informed on us to the Bloomfield Police Department and uh, they were following us for a little while and they got us and pulled us over. And I wound up, you know, thank God that morning when I woke up because Two days before we got arrested, I told the guy who I was running around with, I can't stand myself anymore. Like, I can't stand that I need dope to function. I really wish I would get arrested. I said to him, he's like, no, don't say that. Sure enough, two days later, we got arrested. Thank God that morning I put on a brand new pair of Tommy Hilfiger underwear because little did I know I'd be in that same pair of underwear for the next 14 months I spent in the Essex County Jail. And that's where my recovery really started because when I went in there, I really just had enough. I just had enough, like, Things had to change. And, 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 you know, drug addiction will have you so buffaloed and so much in denial that you'll know something has to change, but you, but, but you won't say it's the drugs. Something's, I need to do this. I need to, I got to get a job. But you will never say, this is what the area of my life I have to clean up is the drugs because the drugs is bringing me to all this. It's worsening. It's adding to my, my, my bad behavior already. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how, how far you want me to move in, but I can say that. Every single good thing in my life is is because I can't. Every single good thing in my life has a tie back to me being clean. Anything that has to do with family, anything that has to do with relationships, 
anything that has to do with the spirit, anything that has to do with employment, it all ties back to the fact that I came in here and decided to live differently. And, um, you know, perspective, man. I mean, I, there was a time in my life where I said, how am I ever going to live without drugs? How, how can I, how can I have any fun if I don't have any drugs? And now, you know, now my perspective has changed. So it's, uh, it's, it's all good just for today. And, uh, you know, if you want to get into the emotional uh, aspect of, um, of this, because what I did was I, I looked at some of uh, the work that you guys done already. And, uh, you know, I listened to some of the other podcasts and uh, I said, I said, what, what haven't they talked about yet? So uh, emotions, I feel, is just a very big, big part of, um, of, of, of drug addiction, because I remember when I was using it, I remember when I used to like get into these like, emotional quagmires like i would like be going through something with my relationship i'm screaming at my girlfriend and the first thing i thought about when i hung up is what, what i had I, I drove a i drove a yellow corvette and, and and depending on where i was going the first thought i would have is what's I, I used to put the pot this ounce of weed down where to break and i used to say to myself how much is it that i would do i was always <laughs> how, how far i could go was how much weed i had and uh you know, everything was drug based and, you know, Hey, I, I got clean at 50. So my, my message is that you're never, you're never to anything. You're never to anything to get clean. You're never too old. You're never too broke. You're never too hurt. You're never too depressed. You're, you, you're never too alone. You're never to anything to make your mess into a message. So that's my message for tonight. And, uh, you know, we can talk more about the emotional things because, uh, you know, our literature talks about it. And like you said, Chris, I'm a literature buff. So, you know, our literature, you know, I want, I, 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 I mentioned the emotional detox because one of the, one of the uh, sentences in our book talks about uh, the, the, the physical detox is over pretty quick when we get clean, but the emotional detox is sometimes could last a lifetime for me. Like I needed the program because once I went to jail for 14 months, they let me go on drug court after I had already pleaded out. So I was like, people convinced me to go to drug court. And thank God I did. Thank God I went to a program because in jail is where it started. But in the program is where it really got real because I was stuck in there with a bunch of men who I kind of related to and didn't relate to. When I was in jail, I really didn't relate to too many people. So when I went to uh, the program, uh, you know, I, I, I related to guys my age. You know, some, you know, some Italian guys, I, I had some, I, I went through a lot of emotions in there. Emotions where I was like, I didn't know what to do, but I couldn't use. So I, I, I learned, I learned how to, um, you know, start to deal with my emotions in the program. And thank God I did, because when I came out, I was so much better than I was when I went in. So um, I guess you guys got some questions for me. So thank you, Victor. We, we really appreciate you sharing part of your story with us. And, and I'm sure you know, there are many other stories that, that you could share. Um, I just want to congratulate you for getting sober at 50. You know, um, we have a lot of people in a, in a lot of different age demographics, but I, I totally agree with you. It doesn't matter how old you are, how rich you are, how poor you are, how whatever you are. When you're ready to get sober, you're ready to get sober. So I just want to congratulate you for that. Um, you know, you mentioned emotional detox, and one of the things that I would like to talk a little bit about, and it may be in the same vein, is emotional sobriety. So if I were to define emotional sobriety, I would use 
probably a cliche like happy, joyous, and free. But what does emotional sobriety mean to you? Well, emotional, if I was to take those two words, emotional sobriety, to me, it would be a gauge. It would be, it would be a gauge. I would stick a word in the middle. I, I, would, I, would, say, I would say emotional stability in recovery. Like how is, what is the gauge on your emotions? I went to a meeting on a Sunday night. It was a late night meeting that they used to have at Cedar Grove. And it was like nine o'clock. The meeting didn't start till 10. So I, I was talking to my girl and I said, I'm going to stop at 7-Eleven. I'm going to get a cup of coffee and then go down to the meeting and drink it outside the church. So when I walked into 7-Eleven, there was two guys scratching lottery tickets, purple ones. And something told me buy a lottery ticket. I don't buy lottery tickets. I bought one. I get in the car. I go back to the church. I'm having my coffee. I'm scratching the lottery ticket. I go, does that say $1,000? I couldn't see. I had no glasses on. I'm going, that say $1,000 that I won? So I couldn't read. So when the meeting started, I grabbed two young guys. I said, what did this lottery ticket say? They said, you just won $1,000. I said, yeah, I thought that's what it said. And I put it in my pocket. And they said, they're looking at me. And I said, I can't believe you're just... You're not even excited. I said, let me tell you guys something. I learned, don't get excited in recovery. Don't go to a friggin' 10 or a 9. Don't go to a 1. Don't go down to a 1 and 2. Don't go up to a 9 and 10. Try to keep yourself right at a 5. As soon as I saw the lottery ticket, I went, okay, my rent was 500 at the time. I said, that's 500 there. I said, there. and right away, the money was spent. So... The kids couldn't imagine that it was, wasn't a trigger for me. They were like, man, if I won $1,000, I wouldn't be in this meeting, they said. And I didn't even think along those terms. That's emotional. That's emotional. That's, that, that's emotions in, it's, it's emotional sobriety is what it is because I'm, I'm clean and I'm process, processing things differently through a different set of lenses, through a different perspective. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just it. I would gauge, I would gauge my, my emotion because we're always going to get emotional. I mean, you could be clean 10, 20, 30 years and, and you have a fight with your wife or, or one of your kids gets sick or something or something dramatic happens, your dog dies. There's always going to be emotions. So it's, it's a gauge. It's, 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 an, it's an emotional gauge. You know, it's how we deal with it now because let me tell you, when I used to get, when I used to get pissed off and stuff, I, I was prone to do some serious, I would hurt myself. Like I would hurt myself. I would jump off something like and hurt myself. Like knowing I was hurting myself. Because my emotions, I, I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. And, you know, getting rid of the drugs is just one thing that helps, you know. So that's what I would say man, for emotional sobriety. Yeah, Victor, I, I want to thank you for coming on. It's, it's been great to see uh, an influence in, in Chris's life because, you know, he needs a lot of influences other than golf coaches. But, the, <laughs> uh, you know, I love what you said about staying at a five. You know, I, I came in and I was, yeah, I was, I was trying to live, live, live that pink cloud for, you know, for a, a long time. And eventually just, it just peters out. Eventually just life just comes in and, and hits you. And, you know, one of the things that, that I, I'd love to hear from you, and you started to go into it a little bit, is managing those emotions. You know, not, you know, because it's real easy to pray when you need help, yeah. you know. But, you know, one of the things I've found is, you know, when things are going great, that's when I that's when I, I try to reach out and, and double down on my gratitude. You know, so so for you, what, what is it like managing the different types of emotions, not just the bad ones, but the good ones, too? Um, well, 
uh, managing good emotions it has to be gratitude for me because it, it just didn't have to be this way, you know. And I have a tremendous woman with me who, you know, I I, I got arrested when I was with her, and she's never never left, never missed a visit, and she stuck by my side. So that's like that's like one aspect of it. But you know, I, I talk about this a lot in the meetings. If you want to gauge your own emotions inside of your own body, not based on anything like outside of you. You're all by yourself in your, in your car. If you drive, I heard, I heard a guy give a, uh, 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 I heard a guy say the other day, he said, traffic doesn't care. He said, traffic doesn't care. He said, you know what an opportunity it is to be stuck in traffic that you could have a moment to just do whatever you want. And, and and one of my counselors used to say to me, well, when you're stuck in traffic, what's the one thing that makes you feel better? I said, I don't know. The whole class, no one knew. What's the one thing that makes you feel better when you're stuck in traffic? No one knew. I don't know. You got a radio? What? I, we don't know. He said that you're not alone. Other people have to get places too. Some of them have to get places that might cost them a lot more than you being a couple minutes late. So when I'm in, you know, it's hard to say that because ever since I sold my Corvette, 30 years ago, I've always had bigger luxury cars and I drive like an old man. But when I had my vet, I used to drive like a coupe. I used to drive like a race car driver because it was a quick little car. So I'm just laid back in traffic. But I was always, you know, um, I would have my moments in traffic where I would just like, like just freak out. I had one time I was in traffic. I was getting off the Botany Village on Route 21. The guy in front of me was hitting his brakes, trying to get me, like trying to annoy me. He kept hitting his brakes real hard. And I was hitting my brakes real hard. And I said to everybody in the car, I said, put your seatbelts on. And I just ran this guy. I just said, he wants, and I just, I like, that's how crazy I was on the road. So if you want to gauge your emotions, when you drive and you're stuck in traffic, you, 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 you beware of your behavior and, and you'll see if you've changed. Because if you're in recovery, like, there's no doubt about it. Like, you, you change when it comes to shit like this. You're no longer, like, a nutcase. You know, I, I did some – I must have totaled 10, 15 cars in my life, not to mention the ones I didn't total. Like, I just, just messed those up really bad. I talk, I was just really, really crazy. So recovery, like, you know, I don't know. It's just, like, it calms you down. It brings peace because, you know, in, in recovery, we talk about – you guys might know, I do sermons. Like people ask me, what'd you do during COVID? I read my Bible and did sermons. Like I'm just at peace. You know what I'm saying? I just, I'm just, I'm just pretty much at peace. I really don't, really don't freak out too much. Although, you know, I, I did, I, I freaked out not too long ago, maybe two months ago on my girl, you know, I was ready to fight my boss at work. Not really so much for me. I just, he's just a real, so I was ready to fight him. So like, you know, I'm not perfect. You know, I still have my emotions, but I don't run and get, I don't go running and hide in the closet for a weekend like I used to and forget about it. You know, I was one of those addicts. I was one of those addicts who came out on Monday, went to work all week, and then Friday, Friday to Sunday, my family said, where are you? I'm stuck in the closet smoking crack. I can't get out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, we, we, we use over emotions. But um, It's funny you say stuck in the closet. I feel like my emotions have been stuck in the closet for five years. I was talking to my uh, therapist and I was trying to explain that like over the past couple months, there's been days where I just don't want to do anything. And I was like, is that depression? Like, I don't even know if that's depression. And then she's, she's asking all these questions. She's like, well, do you stay in that state? You know, blah, blah, blah. 
And what she told me, or what we, the consensus was, was I haven't felt a single emotion for like five years or wow. even longer. So like, you know, we, like you said, we've been masking our emotions for so long and I'm kind of waiting for that, you know, fluctuation to stop. However, it's the first time. And it, she actually, I remember in rehab, they have the, like this little wheel where it's like this emotional chart, like sadness, or, or I guess it's more of like a feelings chart, but it's like sadness, uh, happiness. And like, I literally had to reference that to understand like how I was feeling at one time. Yeah. You know, so how long did it take you to like almost stay out of five? I guess is my question. Uh, well, to, well, to tell you the truth, I, I, I always had like a calm base to me. Like my sister used to say to me, how come you never get mad? Because I'm biting my nails. That's why. That is why. That's why when I was growing up, I was always like kind of like really like kind of cool. like I, you know, I, had, I have a long fuse. And it's because of this right here. I, I just, I'll get so deep into biting my nails. But now that I don't, because listen, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. When you come into recovery from alcohol or drugs, there's a, there's a huge void, right? There's a huge void. There's just obviously a void. You, you go to jail, you go to the program, you just quit. You go to detox, you go to rehab, whatever. You, 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 the, dr the drugs are gone. The alcohol is gone. There's a huge void in you. And you're not just going to just jump up one day and just start playing tennis or, or start lifting weights or start playing the guitar. The spirit will move in on you without your permission. This is what happened to me. The spirit moved in on me without my permission and just led me to do certain things like 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 I made phone calls and I was like, wow, why didn't I do the same thing with Artie Lang? It's the same thing. It's not that I opened for Artie Lang. That's that's not the issue here. The thing is how it happened and how I seen it. My perspective on the whole thing. That I was someplace I wasn't even supposed to be. I, I was someplace that God directed me to. How do I know that? Because I know. Because I know what happened right before that. You know, I don't have to share the whole thing with you. I believe our spiritual awakenings, we really shouldn't share the whole thing. But I was sent somewhere by someone else's hand, right? I wasn't even supposed to be there. I was supposed to be this way. I was that way. And that's how I met Artie and he met me. And the rest is history. The rest is really me because, you know, I, I saw him there and, and I took over and he liked me. And then I opened for him. But that's not really the story. The story is how I wound up there. So, you know, recovery is all perspective. And, um, you know, got to try to keep it good. But to answer your question, like I said, I was always, uh, I always knew, I always knew that way. I, I, I always knew that way. I knew, I knew that, that long, I always had that long fuse. I knew that calm way, but drugs had distorted me in different ways than other people. You know, everybody, everybody gets, uh, you know, everybody's got a different bottom, you know, and, you know, I know you guys are in Alcoholics Anonymous and, and, and uh, you know, I saw that you, one of the questions was, to, what, what would you tell a newcomer? In, our, in, in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, before Narcotics Anonymous was ever even around, the alcoholics who got sober were old guys. They were all old men. And, and then young kids started filtering in. 25-year-old kids started filtering in as alcoholics. They were alcoholics. And the old men used to say to the young kids, raise your bottom. That's what they used to say to these young kids that came in. Raise your bottom. You don't got to be a 60, 70-year-old man in here like me with a long story to tell. You can just tell a short story and be here. So what I would tell newcomers is just give yourself a break. Man. When, for me, being clean, it's just like what happens is the challenges of life start coming at you. And they're not that big of a deal because when you survive drug addiction, that was a big deal. 
this life is really not a big deal. It's all simply laid out. It's, it's addition. It's not calculus life, you know, calculus was using for 30 years. That was fucking calculus. So, uh, yeah, um, it, 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 it I, to answer your question, I think it'll take as, as long as you, uh, start to recognize it, you know, and once you start recognizing, you realize you don't have to get all excited over this. You, you feel yourself changing. What I would also tell newcomers is, is, you know, try to get clean as early as you can try to get sober as early as you can, because the worst thing you could live with, the worst thing that the one thing that will take you out is your resentments, is your resentments. Your resentments will take you out. When you look back on your life and you say, I wasn't such a good father. I wasn't such a good this. I should have kept this job. I should have, could have, would have. Those fucking resentments will kill you. You'll have the resent. My resentments to me are the same way I feel as when I think about the universe and eternity and God. That's how deep my resentments are. So I totally, I totally agree with you. You know, I, I've said this on the show before that, um, you know, what, what has taken me out and, and I think what takes out a lot of people back out into active addiction is that resentment. And for me, resentment is all based in fear. And mm. so, you know, if, if anyone's working a 12 step program, you know, for me, when, when I was going through my, my fourth step and doing my fears inventory, once I was able to work through that, and then move on to my fifth step and eventually my eighth step and my ninth step and really start making amends, which we're going to be talking about um, in, a, in a later episode. But once I was able to get through that, I didn't have that fear anymore. And the ninth step promises really started to show up for me, you know. Um, but Victor, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show tonight. Um, you are absolutely hysterical. Uh, we appreciate your experience, strength, and hope. And uh, thank you. Yes, I appreciate you. you guys. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. Thank you, Victor. Wow, Chris, what an energetic, hilarious guy uh, you have for a sponsor. Um, and, and I think that he made a lot of great references and uh, drew a lot of conclusions and really connected the dots for me around emotions and recovery. Um, you know, he really talked about that, that medium middle of the road type of, uh, feeling, you know, and, and his, his conversation around being in the car in traffic and going from, you know, rear ending a guy to just enjoying that he's with other people. Um, that really, really resonated with me. Yeah. Um, right now, it's funny. When he was saying that, I want to get to that point. And I'm trying to. And I'm, you know, I think I've mentioned this before. I go to therapy with my wife. I go to th a therapist for myself. I go to meetings. I am getting a lot better. But it's it's funny. Over this last year, it was, I like I said before, it's the first time that I, I think I'm recognizing that I'm feeling emotions. And... I don't always deal with them properly. And, you know, like he said, I'm not perfect. And, you know, through sobriety, it teaches you how to deal with these emotions in a better way, in a more um, constructive way. So that whole journey I'm enjoying and, you know, I'm enjoying getting better and I'm trying to be receptive when people give me advice or, you know, direction. Yeah, when you were asking that question about how do you get to that state, I was thinking about like what that was like for me 
And I never experienced the journey of figuring out what the emotions were because I literally dealt with them as soon as I got out of rehab. And, you know, it, it was the beginning of my divorce, essentially, like, it was it was every emotion under the sun and i i know when my, my mom listens to this podcast she's going to remember the the weeks that went between uh, you know up down crying laughing talking at 5 30 in the morning with her every day you know that was how i got to that place you know i literally went through every emotion imaginable good bad and ugly you know, like to the point where I had, we had to call a, you know, a psych hotline at, at, you know, 10 o'clock at night because I thought I was losing my mind. It was just a medication switch up, but it was like, I literally went through every single thing. And, and so now I've learned that, you know, it's, and again, it doesn't happen all at once, but when I, you look back, when I look back now, I go, okay, I've been through this, 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 and this. And it was a totally new experience because for 10 years, I didn't want to feel a thing. So, so now I literally went through every emotion you could as soon as I got out of rehab. And these last 10 months or so have been learning how to deal with it. And there's a, there's a book, um, Understanding Addictive Thinking, that I was really uh, you know, useful for me, the uh, psychiatrist who wrote it said he he doesn't wish any of his uh his patients a smooth early recovery he wants them to face life immediately and as hard as possible because that's the only way you're going to learn and so yeah for me unfortunately i had to get divorced i hope this doesn't happen have to happen for you in order for you to experience these emotions but you know they will come and you will learn from them i'm definitely learning from them (laughs) it's really interesting you know that concept of not having that smooth early recovery it's like jumping into the deep end of a pool when you're trying to learn to swim you just got to do it you know and just like you said I also was the one who would run into a bottle run into a bag when I started feeling these emotions and what's interesting you know as I sit here and think about this is I notice that I still try and escape my emotions sometimes, but I'm using it with, you know, or I'm, I'm, um, countering it with the gym or, you know, food sometimes, which hasn't been a a good move for me. So I'm trying to cut back on that, but, you know, so I'm, I'm catching myself, but the more and more that I travel down this journey of self-love, self-discovery, self-awareness, the less I run away from the emotion or try and counteract the emotion, right? So if I'm starting to feel scared, I'll run into it. Like, and now it's more of a feel the emotion, understand the emotion and look at it logically to say, what can I do that will help the situation that I'm in as opposed to exacerbate or, you know, inflame the situation that I'm in. What you're describing is, do you guys remember that uh, TED Talks around anxiety during rehab? Yeah. Uh-huh. So the whole concept was, you know, everyone, or I shouldn't say everyone, a lot of people in America think they have this anxiety. And he's like, anxiety is there for a reason. He's like, you need to lean into anxiety and recognize 
what that emotion is used for. Did right. you not bring the garbage out? Do you have a big meeting that you have to prepare for more than you did? Do you X, Y, Z? And, you know, I've said this in a past episode. I'm not a doctor, and I understand people have debilitating anxiety, but emotions like that and emotions like you're saying, Jason, fear or, you know, happiness or whatever it is, they're there to guide us into something or give us direction. And a lot of times... People get scared of those things and they ignore them. And I think, like you said, we all have to lean into them and just be more cognizant of what they are trying to tell us. Yeah. The thing that, Jason, what you said about the the swimming pool, you know, that's literally, you know, what happened to me when we got out of rehab. And, and you know, I, I went that week without hitting, hitting a meeting. You know, the same thing happened when I went into before I went into rehab, I stopped drinking 10 days before I went into rehab. And, and that was where I went through like a mental breakdown. And, and it was like, wait a second, I've removed the alcohol. What's the problem now? And that's when, when my ex-wife came to me, and was like, you need to go somewhere. I was like, all right, I guess I will. And it was cause I needed to swim. I didn't want to, but I, I needed, I needed to survive. And so I came out of rehab, not wanting to do a meeting. And then when I text you guys, that's that Saturday morning, you were like, get into a meeting now. And I was like, shit, I don't want to do this, but I need to just survive now because that's, that's really what it is. Like, and, it, and yeah, Chris, like you said, it's, it's that fear, that fear, like, Oh God, I've never been in, in an AA room. Well, guess what? Everybody goes into an AA room for the first time. Like, and we, I literally had done two, three weeks of, of people telling me to just do it, just do the work. And, and, you know, now doing the work is, has got me to 11 months. I mean, it's at the point now where I forgot yesterday was 11 months and well, well thank you. And you, and you were, you were a day ahead of me. That means Jason, and, uh, is two yeah. days to go. Yeah. So congratulations, Jason yeah. and Ben. Right. But, but to get to that, I, I honestly didn't think that I would get to that point where I stopped counting days, weeks, or months. It's, you know, and for it to kind of pass by, like, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm going to one day at a time. I ho- I'm, I'm hoping to get to July 28th and, you know, you know, I'll thank everybody around me, you know, for helping me get, get to a year and then we'll be on day 366. So it's interesting you say that too, because I just took my first sponsee through his steps. He just completed on Sunday and, you know, when I finished my steps, I was like, oh, do I like get some kind of acknowledgement? And my sponsor was like, nope. You, you get just... a plaque. <laughs> yeah, right? A plaque or some kind of gold star for my fridge or something, you know? But no, it's it's you just continue to use the steps or, or whatever program of recovery you're in each day after that. Um, but to go back to the emotions, you guys were talking a little bit about fear or alluding to other negative emotions. One thing that I noticed is that anytime I get happy or I feel love or any of these like quote unquote positive emotions, I also used to run from them too because I didn't know how to handle it. You you know, I like you don't deserve it, right? Exactly. Exactly. Especially when someone would compliment me, you know, and, and it would be this weird kind of like, um, emotion that was dwelling inside me of like, oh, you don't actually mean that, or 
if you actually believe that, I'm sorry for you, but I don't believe that. So, you know, and, and just that whole concept of feeling good outside of the drugs and alcohol was so foreign to me. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, positive emotions also were foreign to me. I mean, we went to a, a party for my Katie's friend's daughter, basically. And just sitting there and having adult intelligent conversations. But at the end, these people are like, oh, your husband is, so you know, because everyone at this party is drinking, basically, except for me. And they're like, you know, it was really nice to have these adult conversations with your husband. Like, he's a great guy. And that just, it, at the end, it's funny because my wife's like, Wow, that must have felt good. And it really did, honestly. It felt good that people were acknowledging that I was present, that I was with the kids, that I, you know. And like you said, Jason, that would have never happened back in the day because I would, would have been running to the bathroom. I would have been worried about if I would have gotten caught or, you know, I just wouldn't have been there. But actually being able to have a conversation, be happy, be present, and actually just embrace the day and feel the emotions surrounding that day was just a game changer. And, you know, and, and just leaning into those emotions, those positive and negatives really changes your life, your life. It really does. And I, I think that as, as an alcoholic and addict, you know, when, when my addiction really started uh, flaring up and really started to take a noticeable uh, chunk of my time and my life, that's when I started to become emotionally stunted. And so as other adults started growing up and really learning how to deal with emotions, learning how to interact with emotions, it is something that I have to learn now and I have been learning over the last 11 months. So I'm kind of still going through that, but it has been getting easier day by day. Well, boys, it was an emotional evening, uh, no pun intended. I know, corny joke, I'm not as funny as Victor. But uh, it really great episode. Um, and as always, tonight's episode is dedicated to the still sick and suffering alcoholic and addict, as well as the individual who is going to pick up for the first time tonight. Have a good night, guys. Have a good night. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to SoberSolutionsPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.